I heard a news feature yesterday highlighting several bullying attacks in the Vancouver area involving swarming, robberies, and even violent, humiliating, and demeaning rituals. Of course, these assaults are recorded and then posted online. The news report encouraged parents to speak to their children about bullying. Here's the kicker. Many of the young people arrested justified their actions by saying that they had nothing else to do, that they needed after-school activities, and that being isolated during the pandemic made their restlessness and desire for something to do more pronounced. I'm not kidding. The kids said that they needed something to do, and that's why they did these things. Then, of course, the news report called for more funding for after-school programs. I'll tell you what the problem is. No amount of after-school programs or activities are going to change the fact that we live in a culture of death, where children are learning that violence is an acceptable way to respond to conflict, where no one understands what human dignity is, and where young people become bullies and victims of bullying because they have no sense of self-worth. This is a crisis of faith. It is a spiritual crisis. The answer is Jesus Christ. Let's get back to basics. Nothing else is needed. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this is the Salt and Light Hour. Hello, and welcome to another all-new Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro, and sitting here with me is Sister Marie Paul Curley. It's always so good, Sister, to be with you. Oh, it's so great to be here. I'm here. We're like across yes, the across. continent, <laughs> but we're but we are together virtually. And I'm actually kind of excited about this week's episode. Yes, for and several talk, reasons. <laughs> we're going to talk about that in a second. You always have uh, some interesting movies to talk about, and this one I have seen. So so that'll be good. Um, but before we talk about movies, um, we're going to have Ed Clancy joining us from Aid to the Church in Need. He returns with his segment titled Where God Helps, and uh, he's going to tell us about something that's happening in Nigeria. Again, I think that the world, it's great. I love these segments because the world, you know, everybody's paying attention to what's happening in Ukraine, maybe some other high conflict areas, but really not that many others. And who's thinking about Nigeria? And Nigeria needs to be thought about. There's a lot happening there right now. Exactly. So yeah. that's going to be in about five minutes with Ed Clancy, where God helps. And then sister, you'll, you'll come back and we're going to speak about, should we tell people what film we're talking about? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. So they stay tuned in, I hope. Oh, okay. um, so we're going to do Spider-Man No Way Home, which is the third in this version of Spider-Man um, in the uh, comic book Marvel okay, Marvel's comic good. book universe. Okay, that's good. So yes. hopefully that'll encourage people to stay tuned in and it's not going to encourage them to, to, to turn the turn the radio off, turn your thing because because maybe if they're like me, they feel that there's just way too many Spider-Man movies. I don't know. I thought that initially, but this, this one has won me over. Holy. I really, I really okay, enjoyed so it. And there you go. Okay. Perfect. It's a spiritual, there's spiritual kernels in this movie. Okay, good. So there you go. If you're not into Spider-Man or you're not into the Marvel universe, this is the movie that might win you over. Like it won Sister Marie Paul over. So stick, stick around. Uh, Sister's going to still be here in about 15 minutes. Windows to the soul of Spider-Man No Way Home. 
Um, and then sister, I'm very excited because you know who our featured guest this, uh, this episode is, uh, is um, David Goulet. He's an oh, author. Wonderful. Yes. Oh, this is great. He's, he's got, he's such a great writer. Um, okay, good. I, ha- I haven't seen what you're featuring. So I'm, well, you haven't read it. Okay, good. I, so- not in its current, uh, not in yes. its current form, I yeah, should say. Yeah, I, it's published. So in our second half hour, we're going to be speaking with author David Goulet um, about saints, but it's not what you expect. He's not writing. So Sister Marie Paul wrote a wonderful series of about saints of the past, the saints that have to do with the Beatitudes or saints that have to do with, you know, whatever, which is wonderful. Actually, exactly. it's one of my favorite uh, stories of saints. But David is writing about saints not who lived in the past, but saints who will live in the future. So, and, and I mean, it's kind of like, I mean, it's sci-fi because it's the future. It's, there's a, an element of graphic novel to it, although it's not yes. a graphic novel yeah. um, with great art, but the, he's, re, he's imagined, uh, maybe I should stop talking about it. It's such a great idea and, and, and the stories are so engaging. It's absolutely brilliant. Let me just say this. And it really engages your imagination to think of what you could be like, what what God is calling you to be as holy. It's really a great book. I mean, I I read an early version of it. It's great. Yeah, not not, not God calling you, but calling your children. Like we, a lot of, I think a lot of parents nowadays worry about, oh my, like my, I mean, I have adult children, but when I have grandchildren and the struggles that they're going to have and the world is changing so much and there's cloning or whatever, uh, the multiverse, like all these things, it's like, well, they will also have opportunities to be holy within that. And so David has imagined a little bit of that world. And so we're going to be speaking with David Goulet in about uh, 25 minutes or so. And then at the end of the program, I'm also very excited. I don't know if you got to meet Andy Carey when you lived in Toronto, sister. Andy is a uh, singer, songwriter, piano player. Uh, I've known him for 15, 18 years. Um, And he has a new album called Lights of Broadway. Oh, um, it's not what you would consider a religious or spiritual album, mm-hmm. although it's full of spiritual nuggets um, uh, and it deals with 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 mortality, love, grace uh, and also a, a social commentary on our times. So I'm really, really happy that Andy finally we're able to get him on the show. Andy Carey uh, will be will be with us and we'll get a chance to listen to some songs from the new album Lights of Broadway. So that's in about 40 minutes at the end of the show. And again, a reminder, if you're not going to be around to listen to the rest of the program, especially Sister Marie Paul's segment on Spider-Man, <laughs> you can always go to our website, slmedia.org slash podcast, and you can listen to the whole show. You can also subscribe to the Salt and Light Hour podcast on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. So, Sister, you ready? Let's start with a song. Great. Here is Andy Carey with his song, Give, from his new album, Lights of Broadway. All rise for judgment time Our fate is sealed inside these hallowed walls Yeah, yeah There was no trial, but now the verdict's in And the truth we thought we always knew It doesn't matter now We try and start the day Look and find a way to work things out and be better. 
and we're falling on our swords, drowning in a sea of doubt. With minds so clear now, fate acts in strange ways, but keep it happy. Don't make it sad now. Yeah, yeah. That was Andy Carey with Give from his new album, Lights of Broadway. And we're going to be speaking with Andy Carey at the end of the program, so I hope that you'll still be around for that. And now it's time for... Where God Helps with Ed Clancy from Aid to the Church in Need USA. Ed, welcome back to the program. Always good to have you with us. Deacon, it's always a pleasure to speak with you. So, focusing on Nigeria, um, I think some people might might have been heard what has what has happened there recently in the news. But maybe I have. I'm afraid that most of our listeners maybe don't know what has been happening in Nigeria. So, what's been happening? Well, Nigeria is a personal uh, project, not project, a personal favorite of mine because it's a place that is always in the news and yet never seems to get coverage. Right. Recently, a young woman, a college student. Uh, was accused of blasphemy. And this young woman, Deborah, uh, was attacked by two of her classmates. She was stoned, uh, killed, and then they burned her body in front of the the university Mm -hmm. as a statement. Um, And the accusation was that she uh, blasphemed Muhammad. And of course, under Sharia law, that's all it takes. If a non-Muslim is accused of something, that's justification for acts of violence. And then, so what was the response? Because I understand that the, 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 the students were arrested. Yeah, there was a call for their arrest, and then it, they were arrested. And then a local imam or two decided that this was not good and spoke out and said there should be protests in the streets. And then sort of hordes of these um, protesters 
started attacking all of the Christian presence, especially the, the cathedral. And so uh, Bishop uh, Kuka, who is the arch, is the Bishop of Sokoto and a wonderful leader in, in an area of, of Nigeria where the Christians are the minority, uh, his safety was a grave concern. And uh, thankfully he's safe, but there was a call by the government and the church to shut down all uh, public masses uh, while this is happening. And so Nigeria is almost as usual in the state of um, violent flux. Um, and it's not the only occasion that's happened recently. Recently, a, a priest who was kidnapped in March mm -hmm. uh, died in captivity. Uh, one account is that he was killed. Another is was he died because of an illness that they weren't treating. He had been uh, held kid kidnapped for two months. Yeah. And um, so this is in the news <laughs> right no and maybe just to to take a a a, a step back um there's still a, a huge muslim presence in nigeria my sense is that there was a large catholic population or christian population in nigeria as well yeah so nigeria is about 50 50 it's a little bit more slightly more muslim than christian and about one quarter of all of the uh christians are catholic okay. so it's a mixture of protestant denominations so it's between 20 and 25 million Catholics in Nigeria, they're settled mainly in the south. Okay. So Sokoto, which is up north, uh, is mainly Muslim. And they're, right. they're extreme, extreme minority up in the north. But they thrive. They, the churches are full. Yes. The seminaries are full. In mm -hmm. fact, the, the Diocese of Kaduna, 380 seminarians uh, in, a, in a seminary that can only house 360. Mm -hmm. um, so this is the kind of situation. And uh, Sokoto, uh, too has seminarians every single year and the the church is vibrant the church is amazingly resilient and the people are not necessarily unfearful but they are bold enough to practice their faith in a sense regardless of the situation yeah and even and so even, it's a wonderful testimony even when they call for the churches to be closed or masses to be canceled you're you, i understand that people still go yeah they still they still do what they think is right they, right. they worship God in public. Yeah. Yeah. So how common, because this we hear these stories and they seem so unbelievable, but how common is this situation or the situation of Christian persecution in Nigeria? Well, to give you an example, in the last 10 years, about 40,000 Christians have been killed for their faith in Nigeria. In 2015, when everybody was focused on ISIS and Syria and Iraq, Nigeria was the most violent place in the world for Christians by numbers. And it is consistent. Every year this happens. All the time this has happened. Kidnappings, killings. And, and that's the amazing thing. The church is so resilient there. And I think some of us may know Nigerians, priests and parishioners in their local parishes. Mm -hmm. And we see the depth of faith that they, that they display and their vibrancy and and my goodness, when you go to a, a Nigerian wedding and you see those women in their yes in their costumes, it's yes. like an explosion yeah. of life yes. and joy and, you'd and never, happiness you'd and never worship. Know. I did not know forty thousand. Wow. Um, so, would you say that the 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 bulk of the work that aid to the church in need is doing in Nigeria is because of persecution of Christians? Well, it's to support the church to keep it vibrant. The, the seminaries are a big place of support. We support okay. the priests especially in the north. And for example, in Sokoto, which is the diocese where this happened, and mm -hmm. also up in the other diocese of the Borno state where Boko Haram is, we have relief centers for people who have been 
attack. And we support the priests and the communities there because they have to live below the poverty line. Right. You know, Christians are given very little opportunity in, in, in government or in finance up there. Right. So it is difficult for the church. Yeah. So I guess the work that needs to be done everywhere, support the church financially, but also support the church uh, with prayer. With prayer. Absolutely. With prayer. We, we always remind our listeners, and it's good to be reminded, Ed, um, not terribly happy news, but thanks for the update and uh, and for the reminder that we need to sometimes pay attention to some places that we're not usually looking at. Yes. And be joyful even in times of sorrow. Yes. God is with us always. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much, Ed. You're very welcome. Ed Clancy is the Director of Outreach for Aid to the Church in Need USA. You can find out more about the work of Aid to the Church in Need in the United States. Go to churchinneed.org. And if you're in Canada, you can go to acn-canada.org. Hi, I'm John Finch, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. Salt and Light Television is now available on Roku and Amazon Fire. You can go to slmedia.org plus to find out how to subscribe. And now it's time for Windows to the Soul with Sister Marie Paul Curley. Sister Marie Paul, you've been sitting here patiently waiting, dying to talk about a movie that you love. I have, but I have someone with me who loves the movie even more than I do. And so I brought along Sister Christina of my community, the Daughters of St. Paul, who is also a big Marvel movies fan. And she has seen Spider-Man No Way Home. How many times, Sister Christina? I think I'm going on four times. Oh no, Sister Christina. So welcome, Sister Christina. And I'm thank sure you you're so much. Try to make the case as to why you've don't watch that movie so many times. Because <laughs> I don't know. I watched it once. I don't know uh-huh. if I would watch it. Maybe I'll maybe after I talk to you, I'll have to watch it again. You might, you might have to. You might have to. So I'm Sister- really happy to be here. Thanks a million. It's great to have you. Yes, Sister Marie Paul. Sister Christina, tell us, what what did you love about this movie? Okay, well, uh, I should just preface this by saying that I am rather partial to the superhero movies in general, so it it was kind of an easy sell. Um, And I was very invested in these characters and what was going to happen to them after the last installment. But the thing that I really, really loved about this movie was how it leveled up the characters, because this was a younger like really like kids spider-man mm-hmm. with his friends and and like his new relationship with his girlfriend and everything and i think that the way they they have um played this character in this particular uh reboot or whatever of spider-man i think you just get more of a sense of his youth and I really appreciated how they showed him and his friends grappling with the like the real world uh, consequences of their actions, the choices they needed to make, and their growth and maturity as persons. Mm-hmm. And then also um, Peter's growth and maturity as as a hero. And then I loved that his friends and family, like all the people he loved, also had to make those kinds of of choices and also level up in their maturity because they experienced consequences because of their relationship 
with Peter. So, so to me, that, that really hooked me. And then there is tons of fan service. So if you have devoted a certain number of hours of your life to watching these movies, there are so many delightful, delightful Easter eggs. And to me, that, that was a lot of fun as far as, as enjoying. That's, that's great. Uh, we won't have time here to go into too much detail of the Easter eggs, but maybe afterwards you can tell me because I, maybe that's what I needed to keep me <laughs> engaged. Mm. Could, <laughs> could be Deacon, to. could be. Could be, could be. And, and comic book movies aren't necessarily for everyone. Uh, they are a very particular genre. And of course, one of my one of my concerns with them, of course, is the violence, the, even though it's comic book violence and the fact that problems are often resolved with comic book violence. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the things I love about Peter Parker and Spider-Man in general is that even though there's a lot of fighting, there's not a lot of death. Like he is truly... Um, someone who's trying to prevent bad from happening, but mm -hmm. he's doing it in a way he's not taking the easy way. And mm -hmm. I think that that self-sacrificing love that is really highlighted in this film, even yes. more so yeah. um, than the previous two movies, because this is a younger Spider-Man, right? Sister mm -hmm. Christina, the, yeah. the other movies started in college or, I mean, he's definitely mm -hmm. a high school student still yeah. in this third movie. Yeah. Yeah, and I think uh, you and I were talking, Sister Paul, uh, before the podcast, that one of the things that's neat about this sort of movie, so, you know, more of a superhero movies are like your popcorn movies, you can enjoy them, they're not super demanding, but they do, and this one I thought um, did provide a way of looking at some some kind of issues that might be more difficult or could be heavy in a in a different context. But in the context of Spider Man, like the whole coming of age and self sacrifice and dealing with loss or making hard decisions and stuff, that it's all more easily digestible and and I don't know. I think that that there's value in that, especially. You know, you know, a lot of, of families and young people are going to want to see this. So, mm -hmm. yeah. And mm -hmm. it, it's, it's appropriate for, uh, for a slightly younger audience in terms of a superhero comic book sure. yeah. you know, movie. Uh, I think that um, the, the film, it, it does a really good job of showing those that deeper growth. Uh, it, for those families who might be watching, there is a death in the film that's pretty powerful. So that's important to know. Um, mm -hmm. As always, when you're watching it with your kids, you might want to see it first um, or at least be present so that you can talk about, you know, things. But it's it's a well done film. It has so much in terms of bringing together Spider-Man and yeah, the Easter eggs are just really, really awesome. I, that's a Yeah. Good and point. if I can add, I mean, because I'm not a super superhero f movie fan necessarily but and and my question and i think maybe a lot of our listeners have the same question like why do we need another spider-man movie and at least this one justified the fact that there have been other spider-man movies because it of the way it comes together and yeah. we're not going to give away the ending um and then i also did do a, did appreciate that's kind of where the movie started coming to life with me where mm -hmm. where, where the, the, the spider-man peter parker the character really makes an effort to actually not take the easy road and, mm -hmm. and tries to save, not just not let people die, but actually save them, redeem yeah. them. And, and yeah. that, that was different than other superhero movies, obviously. 
it different from yeah from a lot of a lot of them for sure yeah, yeah. they're and always the superheroes are always struggling with their like moral codes and stuff which right. which to me is something that's always interesting so so for people who are not spider-man fans or who haven't yeah. seen all the other movies or who are not into superhero movies what's their pitch come on you got 30 seconds to sell this get them to watch it <laughs> well um i think i i was telling you deacon that uh probably one of the difficulties with watching some of these movies is that they do presuppose that you have watched many others but one of i think one of the big charms of this particular spider-man movie is that you're seeing this young man kind of grow into an adult and he makes a really qualitative step forward right. in um deciding what kind of person he's going to be and I very often, I think, okay, so I know this is Windows to the Soul, so we're looking for spiritual themes. Exactly. I think um, something that has always appealed to me about Spider-Man in particular, because he goes from being an ordinary person to a superhero, and has to, he has to figure out, like, what does that mean for him? Does, does he, is he just like a dude who has weird powers and he's going to hide that or use it for his own gain or to get revenge. Like there are so many things that he, he has to struggle with, but um, I, I find Spider-Man is kind of a, you can think of him in a, a vocational sense, like what is God calling each one of us to do okay. in our lives? And I think we had talked about this sister Paul that like, you know, superheroes, none of us are, are um, gifted with radioactive spider powers and probably we don't know anybody who is, <laughs> but, you know, when you think of the saints, you know, when a person is canonized, they're canonized because we say they've lived like heroic mm -hmm. virtue. Yeah. They've lived, they've lived charity for others and for the Lord to this, this supernatural degree. So I feel like there is a way you can kind of see some parallels and say like, okay, I can't swing from lamp poles or whatever to save people but every choice i make yeah does have a real a real like world changing impact even if i can't see it nobody else can see it and so to me that that's what kind of hooks me into the superhero movies mm -hmm. and spider-man mm -hmm. to me is one of those heroes that i feel like yeah he's he's really trying to save people and he's trying to be he's trying to be the good guy yeah, you know, yes. and so to to see this character kind of struggle through that, I think could be appealing to anybody. Yeah, yeah, um, and I think that's maybe yeah. ingrained, like maybe God has written that into our hearts that we look to we look for those kinds of role models because we're yeah. called for greatness, yes. and that's why we gravitate to superheroes and savior movies and things like yeah. that. So, Marie Paul, yeah. do you have any last words that you want to say? No, I think that Spider-Man as a, as a superhero, as a Christ figure, I think Spider-Man does that a little bit better than most superheroes. So as a I'm, Christ figure. Wow. We have to come some, back to that. In, in some ways. Well, that's, to me, that's the whole appeal of superhero movies is you're yeah. looking at somebody yeah, 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 um, yeah. who makes those extra goes to extraordinary lengths. So yes. Um, yes, we'll come back to it. Thank you. Thank you Wonderful. so much, Sister Christina, for sharing this with us. Yes. It's, it's so this fun. fun. I know we, we, we hope to have you back. Um, and for our listeners, I, I don't think we need to give you any details. Spider-Man No Way Home. You can find it anywhere you watch movies. Um, thank you both sisters. So fun to have you here with us today. 
Sister Marie Paul Curley is with the Congregation of the Daughters of St. Paul. You can read her blog at windows2thesoul.wordpress.com. You can follow her at Sister M. Paul and Sister Christina, also with the Daughters of St. Paul. And you can follow her at Christina Miriam. Coming up in our second half hour, what will the saints of the future look like? And we meet singer-songwriter Andy Carey. So stay tuned. Hello and welcome to the Salt and Light Hour Part 2. I'm Deacon Pedro. We are used to reading the lives of saints, and many of them are great stories, heroic stories, stories of love and loss, stories of sacrifice and hardship. But how often do you get to read stories about future saints, imagined future saints? Yes, people who haven't even been born yet. That's what author David Goulet has done with his latest book, Halos Rising. You may be intrigued and scratching your head, and so I'll let him explain. David it's so good to have you on the program with us. Welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. Thank you. Happy to be here, Deacon Pedro. So, who are these saints? <laughs> well, these are the saints of, I would say, our imaginations. Um, I don't think it's just my imagination that, that can take people there to think about what a saint might be like in the future. Um, kind of stemmed even from, you know, my parish priest would often talk about, we're all called to be saints, and we have to imagine ourselves as saints. And I merely took that in a sense to, well, what might I do in the future, or other people in the future do to be recognized as a saint? And as you as you noted when you introed there, a lot of the books I grew up reading about saints, you know, as fascinating as they are, when you're younger, you know, you're reading about saints in the olden days and and way back in history. And some of them are very exciting. Like, you know, St. George fought the dragon. That's that's cool imagery for a kid. And yeah. St. Francis tamed a, a wolf. And that's cool. But, uh, and Joan of Arc, you know, was a warrior. A warrior um, helps France. That's a cool story. But a lot of them tended to be theologians, bishops, yeah. um, you know, missionaries, scholars. And I just thought, you know, it's kind of interesting to think of, okay, that's what saints in the past looked like. What will saints in our future look like? Right. And that was the genesis of Halo's Rising. Yeah. So is that your hope then? Like, well, maybe before we talk about what your hope is for the book, what, so what, ins you, you spoke a little bit about how, sort of the inspiration about making saints maybe more accessible, but what inspired you? Like, how did you come up with this idea? specifically i mean there are these are like specific very very lifelike characters that you've come up with so so what 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 were some inspirations that you had i think a lot of them stem from my you know just growing up in I, i'm a child of the star wars generation right like i grew up with star wars i grew up with battlestar galactica both of those have very strong religious themes in them right like star wars the jedi are like monks right They're, yes uh, Battlestar Galactica was filled with a lot of Christian theology because it was written by uh, by Mormons mm -hmm. and produced by Mormons, the series. And I, I think that's where you start taking, well, if I take my faith out into the universe, into the galaxy, 
what does it look like and what contexts do we have and it's interesting i wrote i wrote halos rising several years ago mm. and some of the saints now you know they talk about the zeitgeist and how there's ideas out there that we all kind yes. of pick up on it's just out there the story of, of like one of the saints uh, chris hiscom you know he goes he goes through a wormhole you know he goes and and he has where he, you know he's he's gone for like six hours or something and comes back and it's 60 years have passed right well, somebody reading that would say oh well, you you took that from the movie interstellar yeah i wrote this before interstellar came out like the story right. of, of oscar camacho the cyborg you know who works on a space mine and you know station somebody could say well that sounds an awful lot like the expanse the belters the belters on the show uh, the expanse that's a lot of that they work on these mines out past jupiter yeah again i wrote this before i'd ever heard of the expanse that's the zeitgeist that's you know everybody imagining what will the future look like what will human beings do out there what will our science and our technology bring us to what are the frontiers and all I did was because it's being filtered through me, you know, a guy who was not only a fanboy as a kid, but also an altar boy. And right. so my faith is is a lens in which this science fiction uh, comes through. And I think the the forward uh, by Brother Guy Consolmagnol. Yes. Who, you know, the, the Pope's astronomer. Um, how lucky was I to, you know, I just happened to reach out to him. And I know. Wonderful that he wrote your forward. I know. And, he, he nails it with the intro. I mean, this is a book really about thought experiments. Mm. Um, and I think that's why Novalis, my publisher, was was very interested in it because they saw it that way as well. This, this is a collection of thought experiments about what is sainthood and what is what does that look like in the future? And yeah. in what context will we see saints arise in the future? Yeah. Um, and, so I, that's and I'm really the... the Sorry to interrupt. I'm, I'm glad that you, you gave some examples there, Chris Hiscop and Oscar Camacho. Um, but there's even a non-human. I mean, there are maybe the potential of aliens being canonized. Is that a possibility? What would Guy Consolmagno say about that? Well, he he was famously asked. You know, he was ambushed once at a conference. Could you baptize journalist. an extraterrestrial? Yeah. Would you, would you baptize E.T., right? Would you baptize a, an alien? And his great response, of course, was, you know, only if only if I was asked to, yes. um, you know, if the alien asked to be baptized, I wouldn't do it otherwise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That see, even even the media, the secular media, are they put the dots together as well? What what does religion and faith look like in a context where we meet other other beings in space, right? And um, you know, as Brother Guy put it very very well, uh, he said. There's only two possibilities. Either we're not alone in the universe or we are alone in the universe. And either of those is extremely profound. Yes. Like, um, there's something very graphic novelly about it. Even though it's not a graphic novel, I think it would lend itself very much to that genre. Um, can you tell us a little bit about why that choice? And, and I know that there are specific, I mean, the, the graphics, the drawings in the book are also sort of that style. Is it because you're trying to reach a, are you trying to reach a particular audience with this book? I think so. I think, you know, we aimed it, uh, although some of the subject matter is, is fairly advanced. Um, I think the natural interest in, in this type of thing 
is for younger readers who are, you know, fascinated by the what the future holds. Um, I would say, like my my editor, he even suggested that he said yes, like the the Oscar Camacho story, especially it's very cinematic almost. He said mm-hmm. it's this will be a wonderful graphic novel. It's just budget and yeah. the the cost the cost to make comic books and uh, which a lot of kids today don't read sadly. It's mostly my generation that are that if you go to a comic store today, it's mostly people our age, not kids. Right. Yeah. Um, yes, that's true. It's. It's just budget to do a to do a graphic novel costs an awful lot of money, and then you have to try and get your money back. And right, uh, so I tried to find a balance with doing it this way as a series of shorter biographical stories, and with some choice uh, illustrations. And you know, I was fortunate to to know some of these artists and and find. I mean, Gilbert uh, Monsanto, my Filipino uh, artist on it, he did the lion's share of them. Uh, he's just he's a he's a machine like yeah he, they're wonderful they're, he, they're... he is involved with so many comic books internationally and mm. Sean Lamb uh, was involved with uh, mangas it's just uh, it was very lucky to have them and they they just help the story pop right like, yes absolutely visual right yeah. yeah no very very good collaborations and and maybe. I mean, hopefully this book will do well and you can get lots of revenue and then maybe afford the graphic novel. Maybe we have some listeners uh, that are hearing right now. If anyone out there is an artist and they want to help David with uh, the graphic novelization of these stories. Um, David, I, I'm fascinated by this. I really enjoyed them. Uh, uh, it was hard to put it down. I just want to keep reading. And it's like, who's the next saint? And um, it, even the idea of expanding on the stories and, and because they're very short chapters, each chapter for a new saint. Um, wonderful. And again, as, as you said, uh, uh, an, an, an inspiration for all of us that aspire to holiness in our day-to-day life, um, in, our, in our living, in this world today. So thank you for writing the book and for, for telling us about uh, a little bit about it today. Oh, it was a pleasure to. And uh, let's hope we can write more of them and and maybe our futures are included in them. Yes, that would be wonderful. David Goulet is the author of many books, including Looney Tombs, Confessions of a Small Town Funeral Director's Son, and Black and Blue Horizons. His latest is Halos Rising, published by Novalis. And here now is Andy Carey with Be Here from his new album, Seasons. You came along as my world crumbled to the ground you gave me a chance Looked beyond castles and fortune and fame And you saved me this dance And oh, I'm lucky To feel the warmth of your smile And oh, so happy To taste your grace for a while Give me this day Make it last till the end of our time Give me this dream And up to the heavens will climb Give me this heart Burning in flames And I'll give you my life Just give me this love Give me this love Come 
use the spray on the sea in colors so pure. Andy Carey with Be Here from his new album, Lights of Broadway. About 18 years ago, we started a Catholic coffee house in Toronto, which ran once a month for several years. And one of our recurring artists was a young man at the time by the name of Andy Carey. Andy Carey is a piano player, he's a singer, a songwriter, and since I've known him, he has released three albums. And now he is about to release his fourth, titled Lights of Broadway, that we've been listening to. It is an album that deals with our mortality, love, grace, and it's also a social commentary on our times. And so, it's been a long time coming, and Andy's not young anymore, but I'm very happy to finally be welcoming Andy Carey to our program. Andy, welcome to the Sultanite Hour. Thanks, Deacon Pedro. It's great to be here. It's, it's great to remember that Catholic Coffeehouse, Hungry for the Spirit, that was almost 20 years ago. I know, and I'm and I'm sad to say that the Renaissance Cafe, where where it was uh, held, you know, has closed down. I, I don't know if it's a victim of the pandemic or it might have happened earlier, but right. yeah, great memories, great memories, yeah, great great memories. Um, let's back up though. Um, way before you even knew me, you I, I don't know if I knew this, but you went to you're a St. Michael Choir School graduate, really. Yes, I, I started in grade three at the school and, and graduated when there was still grade 13. So I'm, sh I'm showing my age with, uh, with even that. So, so, so that to me, that's just intriguing. Like, I think that all the boys that go to that school are like untouchables. So how was that experience, like actually being a student at the choir school? Uh, I really, I really, uh, you know, appreciated the, the years that I spent there. Um, it was, it was such a, 
it's sort of a strange experience because you you go in in grade three, so you're around seven, and you don't really know what else you're missing out on being at the choir school, and you, and you you enter this rarefied world of yeah. music and Gregorian chant and and uh, you know singing at mass on Sundays and tours and this kind of thing, and you don't really know what other kids would have experienced at, at different schools in the same time period. And then you kind of emerge, you know, back into the real world when you go to university and, and you, you, I just don't think you ever really appreciate at the time, just, just the level of training you've received and the experiences you've had that are just so unique. Um, but what I have to, what I have to say in, in, in context of, of this show uh, is just how grateful I am like to the church and to Monsignor Ronan who, who founded the school for, you know, that, that musical training and that, and that musical experience, because I wouldn't, whatever I do it, I wouldn't have been able to do it uh, anywhere near as well if I hadn't had that, that, uh, that training and experience. Yeah. Wonderful. And, and uh, do you keep in touch with some of the alumni or do you sing with the alumni group or, or anything like that? So I, I just sang at Tenebrae, which is a sort of service that's done during Easter um, the founder of the school prepared all these antiphons that go along with readings, yep. usually the Wednesday of Holy Week. Yes. So I went back for that at, at, at the Basilica in Toronto. And um, yeah, there was a, a good turnout of alumni at that. They yeah. also have the grade uh, 11s and 12s sing, sing with us. So it's, it's kind of a, that's, uh, an annual pilgrimage back to the school for that. That sounds like a lot of fun. Now, um, obviously, it's a Catholic school. I don't know kind of where you were in your Catholic faith growing up. You, you, I don't know if it's relevant to say that you're, I mean, you're a lawyer. So, I mean, yes. you're a musician, but that's not how you make a living. Um, was there a conversion there as to your faith or did you manage to sort of stick with the faith all throughout law school and throughout all, all that? Yeah, no, I, I say that I stuck with the faith all, all through that. I, I think that the, the, the experience at the choir school for me ended up sort of deepening my faith. I mean, just being immersed in in uh, the music and and so much liturgy, right? Because we would be singing at funerals, weddings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're singing every Sunday. Sometimes you're doing two or three masses uh, or four masses a week during Easter. So um, I was a little exhausted with choir singing, I have to say, but um, I wasn't. Uh, I, I didn't. I, I didn't sort of have a, a lapse of you know, not wanting to, to participate in, in, in church. Right. I just found I, I was still kind of gravitating back to that, that, uh, that, that experience and, and sort of stuck with it, you know, since then. Yeah. Now I mentioned the three albums because, and, and I don't know the, the timing, but my sense is that those three albums were 10, 15 years ago. And there was a time that nothing happened. And then all of a sudden we have a new album. So what was that? What's going on there? And where was this album lights of Broadway, uh, a compilation of songs that you've been writing all throughout, or was there a dry season for you there? No, there was definitely a dry season. I, I think occasions, mostly by getting married and, and having children, you know, right. and, yeah. and when, when, yes. you ha- when you have young kids yeah. and you're trying to write music on the side, my, my, my typical music um, writing uh, technique was to sort of sit at a piano and, and like a real piano uh, and bang out melodies and, and sort of do uh, scad vocals on top of it until I kind of came up with a, a framework and then, mm-hmm. and then put the lyrics on afterwards. But you can't do that when you've got young kids screaming at, you know, you yeah. or screaming out. And, and, and also they want, they, want, they want your time, you know, when, you're, when, you're, uh, when they're up and around. And then after hours, you, you can't do anything that's going to wake them up. So, so mm-hmm. that kind of killed really my, my whole songwriting 
um, vibe. Um, I still did some things on the side. You know, I uh, I would write songs for, you know, like a baptism or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, this kind of thing and, and, and sort of integrated the songs that way. But um, everything was shelved really until the pandemic. And, and, and then I had some time, more time at home and the kids were older. And I, and I just thought, yeah, I had some old songs lying around and, and, uh, and got back into songwriting and, and, um, and, and, and found myself very happy to be, to immerse, immerse back into that process. Yeah. Now, uh, so lights of Broadway, I'm always intrigued about album titles and I know that's a title song in the, in the, in, on the album. So why, what's, right. where's that all about? It's a, yeah, it's an interesting song. Um, it's, it's about, it was sort of inspired by a poem, you know, by um, a poet named Emma Lazarus, who wrote a poem called The New Colossus. And it's, uh, it's the poem that actually is at the bottom of uh, the Statue of Liberty in New York City, okay. engraved on a plaque there. And um, it's, it's a, it's a song, sorry, it's, it's a poem that, that's, that's, uh, um, uh, sort of describes a dream, really, of of new Americans coming to the U.S. In, in, and it was written in the 1800s, um, and so it, it was supposed to evoke the you know the, the true meaning of of, uh, uh, of of liberty, right? And 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 particularly for for people you know uh, immigrating to the U to the U.S. in that time, and then in in uh, you know the era of Trump, in the era of uh, you know the, you know building a wall between between the US and Mexico um, the you know the, the the George Floyd incident with the police like there was so much there was so much bad news really coming out of the US in terms of you know the American dream and and uh, and and openness to you know to migration and racial issues I mean these are you know common themes in that time period and sort of out of that came this song which is uh, really about um, you know Trying to pursue the trying to pursue the American dream and and in essentially essentially failing and the lights of Broadway song is 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 about uh, the chorus is really about you know two people sort of saying um, let's go see the lights of Broadway for the last time and and say goodbye to the dream mm. we left behind kind of thing so it's 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 sort of it, it came out of that whole world which was almost just before the pandemic but but almost parallel with it for for a while too um, sort of the turbulent you know, period of really the Trump years. And uh, right. that kind of inspired that song. Yeah, for sure. And I, and, I, and then I, I guess that that informs also, even though the, all the songs are not necessarily on the same theme, but it sort of informs the whole, the whole album. Um, all the songs are not out yet. You're going to release the album June 12th. Is that correct? Yeah, that's the, that's the plan. Yeah, June 12th. And people can find out more uh, on your Bandcamp page and on Spotify and Instagram. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I'm I'm still getting used to the new forms of, of distribution of music. Yeah. Um, you know, because it's it's changed a lot in the you know as you say, 15 years since I've since I did my last album when there was actually a physical CD I was I was uh, producing. Uh, so it's just going to be a digital release. Um, okay. But yeah, there yeah there's songs on Spotify. My old album is actually on Bandcamp right now. Uh, but but the new the new album will be released digitally on Bandcamp. Okay, that's good. It's easy. Now I'm still waiting for my hard copy, please. A CD, just print one for me, because I'm also <laughs> I'm also a dinosaur like you. I still have like all my CDs, and I still listen to CDs, especially in the car. Like a car without a CD player, it's not a car. Um, I'm sure and, they're coming back. 
they're you know, coming back. You, you, your I'm CDs will be worth, you know, like thousands of dollars each, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> I still have all my Andy Carey CDs somewhere. Um, <laughs> Andy, it's so good to reconnect with you. I, I'm, I've always liked your music, and, and this is classic Andy Carey. Uh, looking forward to hearing the rest of the songs. Um, but thank you for, for, thank you for coming on and telling us about it and letting us play some of the music. Uh, yeah. And, and, and hopefully... So great can, to see you. Yes, and we can get together in person next time, okay? All right, sounds great, Dick and Pedro. You can listen to Andy Carey's music, as he said, on Spotify. You can follow him on Instagram and also on Bandcamp. Andy Carey, C-A-R-E-Y. Um, but I'll put uh, any of those links on our site so you can find them easily. And if you want to listen to this interview again or to hear the rest of the program, go to our website, slmedia.org slash podcast. And here now to take us out is Andy Carey with Generation from his new album, Lights of Broadway. This generation is never understood Always stuck between the young and old and the same again We hold on to these moments as they pass But they won't slow down and they'll never last So we look for a new escape Far from this maddening place This will be our day They'll say when we're gone We're the ones who figured out A way to right the wrongs In the end they'll know The glory of our fight Even though we doubted The path we chose was right it's our time now, 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 it's our time now. Things around here haven't really changed, just a coat of paint to wash the stains away. The sickle fans are climbing up the stairs They're searching room to room For a soul who cares And the new world is losing hands As the night god sleeps in bed This will be our day We're listening to Andy Carey with Generation from his new album, Lights of Broadway. And that will take us to the end of the program. Remember that you can listen to the Salt and Light Hour anywhere you get your podcasts. You can also listen to every single Salt and Light Hour program that has ever been made at our website, slmedia.org slash podcast. And at that website, slmedia.org, you can find tons of great Catholic programs that will inspire and fill you with hope. You can find me, Deacon Pedro, on your social media, and you can also email me, pedro at eslmedia.org. I respond to every single email I get. In the next weeks, we'll be back with Indigenous Voices, and also Chris Bray will return to share some music. So I hope that you can continue joining us in the next couple of weeks. Thank you for being with us today. Continue to pray for each other and take care of each other. Let's continue praying for peace in Ukraine and continue having a blessed Easter season. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this has been the Salt and Light Hour. Sing a song to cheer the world, believe I reckon.